your trusted source for news and analysis about Chicago White Sox prospects and player development, covering the Major League Baseball draft and international market, plus the action in Kannapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. This is the Future Sox Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rankin and James Fox. Welcome to another episode of the Future Sox Podcast. My name is Mike Rankin. I'll be your host, lead editor at Future Sox. James Fox alongside us. He is the senior editor at Future Sox. Our guest today, because we're celebrating another opening day. It's AAA Charlotte's opening day. We have AAA Jeff on Twitter. That's Jeff Cohen, our guy who covers the Charlotte Knights for Future Sox with us. Jeff, third season with us at Future Sox. Just want to say thank you for everything that you do and your contributions. You're there every day. You take care of so much for us, and we really appreciate your coverage. One thing I know you worked on this offseason was learning a little Spanish. Why did you do that, and how is it going so far? (laughs) Uh, Thanks, guys. I uh, decided to try and learn Spanish because there are always a – well, as you know, there's that pipeline of Cuban players that are coming through the system. Most of them don't speak much, if any, English. And not being able to talk to guys like Gilbert Sanchez and Lenin Sosa last year was frustrating. And so uh, I don't know if you saw, but my first Spanish interview was with Lenin yesterday. And it was rough, but we got through it. I wouldn't say it was rough, Jeff. I thought you handled yourself very well. And you got some quality information out of them as well. So thank you again for all that you do. And that's, you know, that's very thoughtful. I think of Brian Ramos as an example of somebody who really dedicated himself to get adjusted to American culture by really trying to learn English. And so appreciate you, Jeff, for doing that. Uh, I want to talk specifically about some of the articles that you put together previewing the 2023 Charlotte Knights, because I think you encapsulated pretty much everything very well. First, let's hit on the lineup. We'll talk about the starting pitching and the relief pitching soon, but the position players on this roster, Jeff, I liked how you framed the article that you put up on SoxMachine.com and Future Sox. The fact that there's a lot of capable guys to fill roles at the major league level currently on Charlotte. Can you elaborate on that point? That's exactly what uh, minor league baseball, Triple uh, A baseball has become, which is serving as a taxi squad for the major leagues. All the contending teams are filling their AAA rosters with uh, major league veterans. And the White Sox have certainly done that. They've got experience up and down the lineup. And this will be the third manager that I've worked with. And they all say the same thing, that job number one is developing players to fill in in Chicago in case of emergency. And they're very well equipped this year to do that. So, Jeff, you know, what? this isn't really, like, involving any of the players, but, like, something I kind of noticed, like, the the rebrand, like, I think it's kind of interesting. Did you did you talk at, at all about that, like, these past two days with the blue? Like, I kind of like those uniforms in Charlotte. Yeah, it's kind of a neat color. Uh, um, I actually listened to a podcast with uh, Tommy Viola the other night where he described the process. I think they rebranded um, – when they first moved uptown and they felt like, you know, it was uh, that had been, I guess, about 11 years ago. And it was they felt like it was time to do it again. And, uh, yeah, I like the new look. The uh, they chose the teal blue as the primary color. And the idea is that the Charlotte Panthers use that color and the local soccer, the major league soccer team here in Charlotte uses that color. 
And sometimes the uh, it's not that different than what the Charlotte Hornets use. So, you know, just kind of touching on the lineup some more, like Jake Berger back in Charlotte, obviously, you know, we'll see how much third base he plays or if he's like the primary first baseman. But I mean, you know, we, we've all kind of seen what Jake Berger is capable of, especially playing home games in Charlotte, right? But what, who are some of the other guys, I guess, like in the lineup that maybe you're looking forward to seeing headlined, obviously, by the guy you talked to, Lenin Sosa? Well, I'm a little concerned about the offense. I mean, they are playing in Charlotte, so that's worth a couple of runs a night. But aside from that, I think the core players, the three, four, five players are going to be Jake Berger, Carlos Perez. And I think that the third guy is going to be uh, Victor Reyes. And he is really impressive. I don't know if you had a chance to see him in Arizona, but uh, he is, uh, he's 6'5", 235 pounds, and he hits the ball hard. And I think that makes a great three, four, five combo. And then I guess you in front of him, you'll probably have uh, Lenin Sosa and Adam Hazley. And uh, that's a pretty good lineup. That's a pretty good lineup. Well, I think the interesting thing about Hazley is just, I mean, he's a former top 10 pick. We saw him in the big leagues last year. He had a really good spring. And me and Mike all the time kind of talk about spring training stats and just like how useless they are sometimes. But I, I am interested when guys make legit swing changes. And I heard on one of the broadcasts that, you know, they like raised Adam Hazley's hands and found out something like right away. And then he was really good in the spring. So I'm curious to see how good he'll be in AAA. And then obviously, you know, you have to take that hitter's environment, you know, into consideration, like while looking at those statistics that he compiles to. Now, Jeff, we, we talk obviously about some of these core prospects that we're looking forward to seeing develop. And you hit on it a little bit earlier on the episode already. And the fact that AAA is not as much about developing a prospect compared to double A and, and single A. Um, the way I see triple A is you do what you need to do in order. Cause like at that point, you know what it takes and what you need to do to get better in order to get to the next level. You know, when I look throughout the Charlotte lineup, you mentioned Victor Reyes and he's had a number of major league at bats at this point of his career. Jake Berger, I think is a name that we should really focus on here. And there's another name as well that I'd like to get to, but let's stick to Jake Berger because there's just no room on the roster at the big league level right now for Jake Berger to play with the Chicago White Sox. However, you've seen him a lot across your time in Charlotte. What is it about Jake Berger's game that suggests that he is capable enough to play a major league third base and handle major league pitching? Well, I think we saw again this spring what we know about Jake, which is that he is a power hitter. I think he had four home runs in spring training and he, he destroys the ball hitting in Charlotte. He is a major league hitter. I don't have any doubt about that. You know, does he make enough contact? Well, you know, he's he's still learning. Third base, you know, he's never going to be a gold glover, but he's okay. He's okay. But power is his calling card. And every time I see him, uh, I'm reminded that I saw him in batting practice today. He looks great. He looks in a little bit better shape than last year. And uh, he was hitting the ball awful hard again today. I want to take you to Evan Skaug. Now, this is a catcher in the White Sox system that's yeah, been around uh, since 2017. And at 27 years old, he's debuting in Charlotte. And I got a chance to talk to Kurt Bloom, who saw all of his plate appearances and all of his games behind the dish last year. And this is what Kurt had to say to me. 
They knew he was committed to defense first. He has the best interests of his staff, and that trust factor was enormous. And uh, Kurt says that he's not worried about Skaug's athleticism behind the plate, saying that he feels very confident that Skaug can translate to the majors. That's a little something there, Jeff. A guy like Evan Scow coming onto the roster for the first time, backing up Carlos Perez. Any interest there with the catchers currently on the Charlotte roster handling this pitching staff? Yeah, I met Evan yesterday, a really nice guy. Uh, he uh, was in Charlotte briefly, I, I think a year ago, maybe two years ago, maybe as an emergency fill-in, and I got to see his swing. Uh, you know, it reminds me, you know, that big lefty swing, kind of like Gavin Sheets. It's re- I like his swing a lot. And, uh, yeah, I think he'll definitely um, have an impact this year in Charlotte. Jeff, what are you looking to see from Lenin Sosa? I mean, I I, I kind of feel like I, like he could do what he did down the stretch and go on this, like, torrid pace again, and I just, like, don't really see a big league job for him. So it's not one of those things where, like, you know, he's going to go crazy and be in the big leagues, but I think he might go crazy. If anybody's heard this podcast, like, obviously, like, I'm a big fan. Um, you know, I'm expecting a big season. I just, like, don't know what it's ultimately going to mean for him. Well, I'm with you, James. I'm a big fan as well. Uh, he really hits – he's a professional hitter. He hits the ball really hard. Um, I love what he can do with the plate. You know, he does have one thing going for him. He's on the 40-man, uh, and, and that, that's a big deal. That helps him jump the line a little bit if they uh, need a middle infielder. Yeah, that is true. So, like, yeah, like if something happens, I mean, it's much more likely to be Lenny and Sosa than, you know, like uh, Eric Gonzalez, right? Like they're not going to add him to the 40 men and then bring him up. So that is a good point on Sosa. So I want to ask you about the guy that's going to be working with these hitters, Cameron Seitzer. It's interesting to me. You know, Chris Johnson's in the big leagues, but I think the White Sox keep a little bit of synergy because – so the White Sox uh, big league hitting coach, Jose Castro, was the assistant hitting coach in Atlanta for like a decade. Cameron Seitzer's father is the hitting coach for the Atlanta Braves. So I think I just like think it's interesting that, you know, Cam gets the promotion to, to Charlotte. Did you get a chance to talk to him at all? Not yet. Not yet. But I look forward to catching up with him hopefully in the next couple of days. Yeah, Mike. If the you know if the big league hitting coaches are trying to teach these guys to hit the ball in the air, I would I would imagine the guys in Charlotte are doing that too, especially like playing home games there. Yeah, I I hear Jeff that the ball carries in Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty silly, isn't it? I mean, when Billy Hamilton hits one out, then we then we'll know once and for all just how <laughs> ridiculous the ballpark is. And it could have something to do with the baseballs as well, Jeff. I want to take you to the pitching staff. Last year, and you wrote this in an article on Future Sox, you can search for it in SoxMachine.com as well. In 2022, the struggles the Charlotte Knights pitching staff dealt with, considering there were not a lot of starters on the roster, having to work bullpen after bullpen after bullpen game. So all that being said, knowing how it went last season, what's your expectation for 2023? Well, I sat down with Donnie Veal, who, as you know, is the co-pitching coach here in Charlotte this year. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work, but um, Donnie told me that they've got uh, an opening rotation of A.J. Alexi and Davis Martin, Jonathan Stever, and Nate Fisher. Um, John Park is going to be kind of a long man in the bullpen, a multi-inning guy, and probably some spot starting. And then I think uh, we we read that uh, Sean Burke will be coming down after uh, – 
the first turn of the rotation. So that is a big deal, given that where they have two last year by uh, the All-Star break. And I think some of these guys are really good. I'm, I got to see they did an interesting thing at the end of batting practice today. A couple of hitters stood in there and A.J. Alexi pitched to them. But it seemed like it was kind of a bonding experience for the team. I mean, all the hitters and pitchers were together, and they almost never are during batting practice. And uh, Alexi was really impressive. I'm very anxious to see what he can do. As you watch A.J. Alexi, was it the fastball? Because, you know, obviously he has big league stuff, pitched in the big leagues already, sees that 97 on the gun. What did it look like in person out of the hand? I tell you, yeah, nice fastball, but some good breaking pitches too. Yeah, it was, you know, he came up in the Dodgers system, and I don't know what's in the water there in L.A., but uh, they do a good job with pitchers, and uh, he was impressive. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, Alexi is interesting. And he 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 was in like DFA limbo a couple of times. Like I think he pitched for Texas last year a little bit. And then I think he made his way to like the Nationals and was DFA'd again. And then the White Sox picked him up and actually kept him. So, it, I mean, a, a pretty interesting staff with Davis Martin was a prospect for sure, but his prospect status is up. AJ Alexi was in his day. Jonathan Stever, you know, still a guy on our list. And then, you know, Sean Burke, a guy that you mentioned, you know, James Fegan of The Athletic, talked to Chris Getz. Chris Getz said, you know, the White Sox just, you know, they're going to skip him a turn because he had like some tightness in his shoulder. He did make two starts in Charlotte. You know, the thing that I really want to see with Sean Burke is just, you know, like he's going to strike out a bunch of guys, but I'm curious to see the walk totals and just, you know, I think the ERA could end up being worse than he actually is. I, I think he's maybe one of the first guys up for a spot start, but pitching in Charlotte exclusively might be pretty tough if all you're doing is like scouting the stat line, I think. Exactly. You, you have to throw the stats out the window because all these guys struggle here and they, and they almost all um, have you know, walked too many guys because they're afraid to get the ball anywhere near the plate. It's just a pitching disaster here. And I'm sure he'll fall victim to it as well. But, you know, that said, I'm as optimistic as I have been in three seasons about the Knights pitching staff. I, I think, like I said, they've got a deep rotation, but they've also got some really good arms in the bullpen um, and some guys I think can do really well. They've got a lot of guys coming back like Lane Ramsey and Andrew Perez, Sammy Peralta. They picked up Nick Padilla at the end of last year, and I think he could really help them out. Kenyon Milton is a major league veteran. I think he's going to be good. And 
Frank Germain was a, a great pickup, a great trade for the White Sox. So they've got a lot of interesting arms in the bullpen. So it could be one of the better years for the night staff, dare I say it. High velocity arms, electric arms, just those that you listed. I want to take you back to Jonathan Stever, though, because it's been a difficult timeline for the young man since he debuted in 20 and 2021. Started spring, if I remember correctly, with some forearm soreness, and it turned out to be nothing, didn't need surgery. It wasn't nothing, obviously. It kept him out for some time, but it wasn't severe. But then he had the oblique, and that kept him out until late 2022. Then he had a full offseason going into 23 to rehab and to get stronger again. It sounds like Jonathan Stevers is a part of the Charlotte Knights starting rotation. I wonder what the workload is going to be like, Jeff. What do you think? Yeah, it's hard to imagine uh, him pitching more than an inning or two his first time around. And, you know, as we've seen with other guys coming off uh, TJ, they start them slow and the workload uh, progresses very cautiously. But um, he is in the plans to to be in the rotation right out of the gate. Um, So I'm anxious to see what he can do, even if it is going to be on a very tight pitch count. I believe I said oblique injury. It was a lat injury that he had yeah. surgery um, for Stever. But that, I think, is important, James. Let me throw it to you because the significance of starting pitching depth, Jonathan Stever seems like he's a part of this thing. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, like, Davis Martin is, like, the next guy in, you would think. But, I mean, like, look, Jonathan Stever and A.J. Alexi are both on the 40-man. So I know I mentioned Burke. I mean, look, I think Burke might be the highest upside of the group. You know, maybe the guy that we're looking at for a regular rotation spot, like in maybe like 2024. But yeah, those other three guys are probably going to get opportunities ahead of him. And look, I just kind of thought like their plan for Stever was something that I was going to be interested in just because like, you know, he hasn't pitched and he's had all the struggles. And if he can't go more than a few innings like starting, do they just make the transition to relief? You know, there were a lot of prospect people and scouts that kind of thought like he could be lights out as a single or multi-inning reliever. So I just like, think it's interesting, you know, he's still on their 40 man. It's an arm that they like. I just don't know if we know the ultimate role yet. Yeah. And I think for me guys, it's a matter of allow Jonathan Stever the chance to operate as a starter until it just shows, or it's proven that it's too much on the guy's body that he, you know, can't handle the workload and uh, his stuff gives out or the velocity dips or he's dealing with fatigue, injury, all of that. And, you know, you're not throwing a lot over the course of a year plus coming off a major surgery. Suddenly things change for your career trajectory. So just keep that in mind for Jonathan Stever. He's older now and a part of the White Sox plans for now. So we're lucky to have Jeff and Charlotte to cover his journey every step of the way. Who are some of the other names that you're looking forward to seeing this year? It doesn't have to be those who are on the roster already. It could be any prospect that you're eyeing even further down the pipeline. Well, I've got one pitcher. uh, I want to throw out his name that we haven't talked about, but I thought he was the best pitcher I saw last year in Charlotte, not named Davis Martin, and that was Johan Dominguez. Uh, Do you remember him? He uh, had three terrific starts at the start of last season and then then went down and had TJ surgery. So I haven't asked anyone about him yet. And there hasn't been any word, but I would guess, I would guess we would start to see him around mid-season, and I'm curious to see what he's able to do. 
Yeah, so I, I was actually going to ask you about him because he's on the, you know, their roster, he's listed on it and he's listed as active, which I don't think is true. Um, you know, I think that was pretty early in the season. So I do think, you know, traditional timeline wise, we should see him this summer, I would imagine. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a good call. I think Dominguez was a guy who I was tracking to potentially rank on our list. And then, you know, he went down with the surgery, which was kind of rough. So is there, um, I guess, anybody else who's probably who's in Birmingham or even Winston that you think that, you know, you've kind of looked ahead here that you're hoping to see in Charlotte this summer at some point? Well, I think the name at the top of everyone's list is Jose Rodriguez, the middle infielder. And uh, we read in James Fegan's article that uh, they think he needs a little more seasoning in Birmingham. But um, I would imagine we're going to see him in Charlotte uh, sooner than later. And, and that'll be really exciting. Uh, you know, we forget that Lenin Sosa and Yelbert Sanchez are, are still pri- – and Carlos Perez, they're still prospects. But, you know, there's a little prospect fatigue. They've been around so long and on the, on the radar so long. But uh, I think having a guy like Jose Rodriguez come to Charlotte it will be really exciting. Well, I do think the White Sox would like to see Jose Rodriguez play as much shortstop as possible. So with Colson Montgomery starting the year, it seems like, you know, he he had an oblique and might not start right away for, for Birmingham. Like, I would think that he's going to be the primary shortstop at Birmingham. So once he's there and ready to go, I, I think we could see Jose Rodriguez in Charlotte. I think that's... Uh, that's interesting. And then, Mike, what do you think? You think uh, Jeff Cohen pretty soon is going to be our official uh, Garrett Crochet correspondent pretty soon? Jeff, get us everything we need to know about Garrett Crochet. Well, it's possible we're going to see Crochet and uh, Liam Hendricks in Charlotte, right? Yeah, well, I mean, like I, I would have said that's optimistic, but when the general manager doesn't put him on the 60-man, and look, I know this is the Future Sox podcast, but Mike, we can do this here. That guy is a machine if if this is like actually a thing, right? I, I think a lot of us kind of penciled in like, look, if Liam Hendricks would have missed the season, everybody would have completely understood his health is paramount, but it seems like this animal might be pitching in the big leagues like by June, which is absolute insanity. It could even be before then, James. And, I, you know, like. it's, seriously, as I watched the whole thing develop, obviously it was just gut-wrenching to hear the news. And I I put it in the back of my I'm not even thinking about a timeline for him to return until he was with his teammates in Arizona playing catch and doing workouts with the organization. So obviously he's doing what he had to do and has to do to stay healthy, but when he's on the field working with his teammates and throwing you know, really putting in work, it seems to me that he's going to pitch the majority of the season, which is unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I do think Garrett Crochet, it'll be pretty soon. I mean, I think he's staying in Arizona for extended, but I, I think he's in Charlotte um, and it's pretty interesting. Jeff, one of, one of the things I want you to get for us this year is when the, uh, when the big league guys go down there and come through there and the big stars are there, find out what's in the food spread, will you? Oh, yeah, that's always interesting. Yeah, the food trucks start rolling in when the major leaguers Yeah, I always find those stories really interesting. And those minor leaguers appreciate it so much. It's really cool. Uh, it's a cool experience, and it's. I think it's great for some of the young guys on the team to have so many veterans around them. They really learn a lot from them. I tell you, the, the pitching staff last year, everyone learned so much from having Johnny Cueto in town. 
And I remember catchers got better talking to them. Uh, those veterans have a, a big influence on the younger guys. I mean, that's some valuable insight right there, Jeff. I hadn't known that. Um, and I, I have a quick story when I was covering indie ball, I won't say where it was, but there was a post game spread. I was waiting for the bus to take us back to the hotel. Um, we were on the road and they pulled out a cart of leftover concession stand items and all they, they no buns, just condiments. So it was just like lettuce, tomato, some hot dogs left over, but no buns. And that was it. And I was just like, Whoa. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is something, um, Jeff, real quick. You saw the news about minor leaders getting paid through the union, right? I did. That's, that's, that's phenomenal. That's, that's really cool. It came out of nowhere. I never expected that. I don't know about you guys. Anytime we discussed minor league baseball being represented by a union, it was usually met with the the conclusion that, yeah, this is probably not going to happen or there's maybe some resistance to the whole idea of it. But the fact that they were able to be represented in the first place, I think, is massive. Really, I think, James, what's important to me is the living facilities, not to cram everybody together or, or force them to finance their own living spaces when they're getting paid, you know, $4,000 a year in some cases. That's crazy. That is crazy. So if their living environment is taken care of and they're in a healthy space and they're getting paid what they are now, yeah, I think they should get absolutely more. Um, but I mean, for Major League Baseball, individual organizations to take care of their players and the minors with housing, I think that's a priority. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I mean, going from 17500 like a year to thirty five eight. I mean, that's... Look, man, that's like significant for some of these guys. And I know like, you know, look, people might think of that in like $35,000. Like, yeah, it's not it's not a ton of money and like billionaire owners can afford it, right? But going from what they were making to that is significant for for a lot of these players. And you guys know uh, very well what these guys in the lower levels of the minor leagues uh, are going through when there are four guys in an apartment and they get virtually no meal money, so they're eating crappy food and fast food. You're right. This can be life-changing, especially for those younger guys in the lower levels. It's the first step. I'm sure it won't be the last. And Jeff, we really appreciate everything that you do for us because uh, uh, we love your coverage. And we, we love that you're willing and able to hang out in Charlotte throughout the summers and cover the night. So thank you. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Come see us. Come see some Charlotte Knights baseball. I promise you, you'll see a lot of offense. And you'll see some future major leaguers and some top prospects as well. That's Jeff Cohen on Twitter, at Triple A Jeff. He covers the Knights for us at Future Sox. We talked to James Fox as well. He's the senior editor. We have a lot of content on Sox Machine this week. It's opening day week. And, you know, in the coming weeks, we're previewing the other affiliates as well. So stick with us throughout the season. We'll have White Sox coverage for you. And right here on the Future Sox podcast, we drop them every Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening. My name's Mike Rankin. We'll talk to you all next week.